Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I am Emily Tampkin, and this week we will be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today I am speaking with Ryan Burge. He is an assistant professor of political science and is the co-author, along with Miles Williams of the University of Illinois, of an article called, Is Social Media a Digital Pulpit? How Evangelical Leaders Use Twitter to Encourage the Faithful and Publicize Their Work. It is in the Journal of Religion, Media, and Digital Culture. Ryan, thank you so much for, uh, for taking some time to speak with me today. Thanks, Emily. Glad to be here. So, you know, just to start out, um, it, it's a clever phrase, but beyond that, just for our listeners, how do you define the concept of a, of a digital pulpit? What does that mean for the purposes of your research and writing? Yeah, so we, we're looking at evangelicals specifically. And one of the things that defines evangelicals is evangelization. I mean, that's where their name comes from. They want to spread the gospel, tell as many people as they can about Jesus Christ. And they do that from a pulpit on Sunday morning during a church service. But we are interested in how they can use the, the medium of Twitter specifically to sort of preach the message about Jesus to a larger audience who maybe would never come to their church, would never have anything to do with church, are probably turned off to religion. Do they use Twitter as basically an extension of the Sunday morning pulpit, or has Twitter become something else entirely for them, and it's become a maybe a, a, public, a way to publicize their work, or a way to talk about where they're going to be, or a way to steer the conversation? So we want to see. We wanted to see if Twitter basically became an extension of who they already were or if they're using it with sort of a different strategy and a different approach to try to reach a different group of people. So th this is my next question for you, which is, you know, as, as you say, um, there is sort of an idea that comes to mind, at least to my mind, when you think of it, uh, of any leader of faith, but particularly evangelical leaders, right? There's the person who's giving and the person who's receiving. Um, it, it, did you see that same pattern on Twitter, do you, do you know, are evangelical leaders still, uh, is it still a one-way street or are they engaging with followers on social media in a different way? Does that change the relationship between the leader and the follower? Yeah, so that's, that's actually, I think, one of the most interesting things that we come out of this whole thing with is understanding that the most popular Twitter accounts, we looked at over 90 evangelical Twitter accounts and yeah. scraped their last 3,200 tweets. We were trying to look at what, what made people popular on Twitter, what got people more followers, more retweets, more favorites, all those things. And we thought that accounts that engaged with the audience and had a conversation and direct message people would, would have uh, higher levels of popularity in terms of retweets and follows and all those kind of things. But in reality, that's not true at all. The most popular evangelical Twitter account during our sampling period was Joel Osteen, pastor of Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Who's, it's a mega church. But his Twitter account is entirely in one direction. He never directly mentions someone, never responds to a comment. It's always just, here's a little cute message about the gospel or about Jesus or about where I'm going to be or about my new book. And then when people respond to him, he never responds back. So it seems like it, it's not a necessity for a Twitter account to actually be a conversation to be, you know, well-followed and popular. However, there's an interesting case that sort of popped up. Um, a woman named Joyce Myers, who's a pastor of a church in, in suburban St. Louis, for a long time, her Twitter account was very much one direction. She would just, you know, say where she was going to go and what she was, you know, where she was going to preach at. And then somewhere, I think in, in the beginning of 2017, she hired someone to man her Twitter account full time to respond to people. 
And so we saw this weird switch over where uh, engagements went through the roof and almost everyone who, who mentioned Joyce Meyer got a response from the Joyce Meyer team, but they also had to tag the tweet at the end that had like the initials of like the person responding to the tweet. So people would yeah. know that that's not Joyce Meyer specifically. I think that's a really fascinating like line of future research is if you have a social media team, how do you make sure that people know that they're not responding directly to Joyce Meyer, but someone who's on Joyce Meyer's team and that Joyce Meyer can't be held a hundred percent responsible for whatever that person says. So I think that whole conversation about how to use social media going forward, especially among Christian leaders is going to be an evolving conversation. Right. And how do you separate, you know, you're, you're responding to the leader, but you're getting, you're getting feedback from their team. And mm-hmm. to what extent is that, are, are you even engaging with the leader then, right? If it's somebody else running social media. Yeah. It almost feels like you're writing a fan mail and it gets responded to by a secretary you're not really getting to where you want to go. But, but then you see on Twitter, people respond to people, you know, you'll see people, respond to people 30 or 40 times over the course of a week or two. And it's like, they're not reading that. Like they don't look at their mentions yeah. or if they do, they don't act like it. So I wonder what drives people to continue to respond to people on Twitter, knowing that they're not going to get that person to respond back to them. I, I just, I wonder what goes on. I think some people just don't know how Twitter works and don't know the sort of the unwritten rules of communication, but it seems like these celebrities, these people have hundreds of thousands of followers can't respond to everybody. So if they do respond to some people, then they have to come up with some sort of scheme in their head about what's a good thing to respond to. And if I respond to some, then is that going to make other people mad that I didn't respond to others? You know, so as you were speaking about this, the thing that it kind of, the phenomenon that it reminds me of is, um, is politicians accounts, right? Like normally not to burst anyone's bubble, but normally those are not responded to. If you if you tweet at a very famous politician and you get a reply, that reply is probably not from, I don't know, Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or or whoever. Um, and it, it sort of brings me to my last question for you, which is that, um, you know, I, I personally can see some similarity between these evangelical leaders and people who are solely in the political arena and not, you know, don't necessarily consider themselves to be primarily in a religious one. Um, and you, you say in the piece that some, but not all of these um, faith leaders are using the pulpit for politics. And, and you know, thinking about how in this particular era and this political moment, um, do you, did you and, and your co-author kind of conceptually separate the political from the, from the religious? So that's a really interesting finding and something that, that I wanted to emphasize is that almost none of the evangelical uh, leaders that we scraped their tweets from talked about politics at all. I mean, they mm-hmm. avoided it like the plague. I mean, not mm-hmm. even, I mean, not even things like peace and war or, I mean, voting, like they would encourage people to vote. Like that's as far as it went, but definitely not any sort of partisan activity in terms of vote for this candidate or this policy or, or things like that. Instead, what we saw was, the, you know, most pastors who are known for being pastors, you know, who are, who are religious leaders first, avoided politics at all costs. However, there's a small subset of our sample that were evangel- prominent evangelicals, but they got into that space. They got famous for being political evangelicals. And amongst that group, you saw a lot more political activity because that was sort of their brand. I think mm-hmm. that's the word that's sort of become like caustic in American life, and it seems very vacuous sometimes. Like, what's your brand? But I think these leaders are, are painfully aware of what their brand is and want to play to that brand. So a guy like Joel Osteen, 
who does his very best to be as bland and vanilla as possible when he preaches, is also pretty bland and vanilla on Twitter. He just, he's like the Christian Confucius. You know, like his tweets are very much like bite size. You can put them on a bumper sticker or put them on like a, a something you put on your refrigerator, right? Like uh -huh. it's very just, you know, kind of generic and kind of encouraging and inspiring, but doesn't rile anybody up and doesn't make anyone look bad. But then you've got other people like Jay Sekulow, who is, who is President Trump's uh, personal attorney, who talks about politics all the time. But because that's how he got famous was by talking about politics all the time. So I think these leaders are smart enough to know how the public views them. And then they use that, that the, the medium of Twitter just to sort of enhance or play into the brand they've already created. It's very, very rare for a religious evangelical known for being a preacher mm -hmm. to talk about politics because he or she knows that if they do, they're going to be divisive and they're going to turn off a big part of their audience. If you're a political evangelical, you know the people who follow you already like what you're doing. They like what you're saying and, and they want more of it. So give them what they want. And so that seems to me like if I would think like what the motto of Twitter is, is give people what they want. And these leaders have figured out what their brand is, what people want from them. And that's exactly what they do is give people what they want. It's not exactly the stuff of um, high spirituality, but, <laughs> or like deep, but maybe in a way it is, you know, maybe, maybe this is a, a new expression of faith, your own brand. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we're going to see like a, like an evangelical get popular on Twitter first in uh -huh. future years, you know, like becoming a social media evangelical, like that's their brand. All the people we follow got famous in the real world, and then Twitter became an extension of who they already are. There's going to be a situation in the future, I'm sure, where people get famous for Facebook or for Twitter or for Instagram as evangelicals, and then they have to become a person in real life that matches their Twitter persona, which is something we've never seen before. Well, for the listeners, to prepare for that future moment, that future social media evangelical star, um, I highly encourage you to read Ryan Virgit and Miles Williams' new paper, is social media a digital pulpit? How evangelical leaders use Twitter to encourage the faithful and publicize their work? Again, it's in the Journal of Religion, Media, and Digital Culture. Ryan, thank you really for uh, for speaking with me today about your fascinating piece. Thanks, Emily. Appreciate it very much.